Hello and welcome to Connection Life Podcast. Today's podcast comes from Jesus Pursuit Church in Albany, Oregon, with Senior Pastor Emily Tedrow. So the kids are in here with us for the summer, and it's awesome. And I know that some of them are bummed about it, but I love having you. And the snacks are readily available for you. There's snacks, there's some color sheets, there's some things for you to do at the tables in either corner. But I hope that you will hear, those of you that are in here, the kiddos that are here, I will, I'm speaking to you too. This is not just for grown-ups. This is for all of us. And the message that I have this morning is really something, is we've been singing it already this morning. I didn't tell the team what songs to do. I led songs that were not songs that I chose. Hannah lost her voice, so I stepped in for her. But God already spoke those songs. Um, we didn't talk about it. But my message is really actually the last song that we sang in particular. And... Um, Sunday, I was sitting in that chair, and Nathaniel was preaching, and then Courtney came up and shared what she shared, and the Lord spoke to me, and he just said, I want to make lordship a, a big thing in my church again. Like, we've gotten away from surrender and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not his lordship, not his rule and reign, but our submission to it, okay? And so the whole time they were talking, and he's talking about the voice of the Lord, He's talking about the word of God and what it does. It transforms us. It delivers us. It brings fruitfulness. It was such a powerful, good word. And the, and the actual sound of the voice of the Lord, what it does to bring just freedom and life and deliverance. And Karen gave that awesome testimony about hearing the voice of the Lord and actually brought deliverance in her life and, and healing. Yeah. Like, it's, this is important. When we hear the voice of the Lord, what are we supposed to do? Obey. Listen and yeah. obey. obey. Like when I hear the voice of my father when I was a kid, I would listen and I would like to say I obeyed, but I liked to negotiate. <laughs> my mom and dad always used to say, you should be a lawyer. And then somebody else said, and the judge and the jury. Because I like to negotiate. I like to know why things are happening. I like to give my input of what I think. Anybody else relate to that? Yes. We're not supposed to do that with the Lord. We're not meant to listen, hear his voice, listen, and negotiate. We're to listen and obey. And when Courtney was sharing what she came up, and I don't know if any of you that were here felt what she was saying. If you, if you had ears to hear that morning and you, and you felt what she was saying, it was an invitation to go deeper with the Lord. She woke up, I'm getting ahead of myself, but she woke up that, that very morning and she experienced the sound of the voice of the Lord. And what it did in her life, it caused her to reverberate. It caused her to tremble. It caused something to wake up on the inside of her. And um, that's what his voice is meant to do to us. We're not meant to be desensitized. We're not meant to be um, numb or complacent. So, John 14, 24, it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's Jesus speaking to his people he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And in the Passion Translation, Jesus says it a little differently, according to Brian Simmons. 
He says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. That's actually what our love for Jesus does, is it empowers us to obey him. It's not just, yes sir, yes sir, I'm afraid of you. Like, I hear your voice and now I'm afraid, so I'm like, ah, don't hit me. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, ah, I think you're going to hit me if I don't listen. So, but actually our love relationship empowers us to obey God's word. And Jesus said, and my father will love you so deeply. It's a mutual love relationship. My father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. But those who do not love me will not obey my words. So this love relationship with God awakens obedience. It's actually the response of our heart. A lover of God willingly obeys. They don't like resentfully obey. They don't begrudgingly obey. They don't passively obey. Love empowers us to to just go the distance, right? Love for Christ is proven and demonstrated by our obedience to all that he says. I'm going to I'm going to speak this morning and it may it may feel like I'm being harsh with you, but I want everything that I say to be rooted in this love relationship with the Lord. And I feel like we are all mature in this room. We can handle this. But I feel this really stern, like strong, I'll say strong, a strong invitation for us to go to the deeper places in God. Like it's time for us to grow up. We're mature and the evidence now of that maturity needs to be seen. And so I just want the center of it to be, though, that God's love empowers all of this to take place. The way the Father has loved you by sending his son, Jesus, and giving everything to the very last drop of his life. There was nothing left. I saw a recreation of what the beaten body of Jesus, it doesn't was supposedly it would look like if it was actually if we had seen it with our own eyes today if they had had a camera and they had taken pictures it looks nothing like on the passion and that was bad that was i couldn't watch it looks nothing like that there's literally skeleton and shreds of i mean it just it was like you could see it was awful it was gruesome and the the fact that he endured that And that's not even the cross part. That was just the scourging. Jesus gave everything of his life. There was not anything held back. That's what love looks like, right? How many of you are parents in the room? How many of you would endure that for your child if it meant to spare their life? I mean, all the mom's hands go up immediately, right? Like, there's no question. Take me. That's the love of the Father that he had for us, that he gave of himself. And Jesus and the Father and the Spirit were one. Every, every pain that Jesus felt, the Father endured. The Spirit groaned every time. It was, it was in unity. They experienced it. For us, for you, And that's the love that empowers us to obey. You know, when my kids, and they're not here today, so I can talk about them all I want to. When my kids actually have stopped and seen the sacrifice that Justin and I have made for them, it shifts their heart. There's been times that Taylor has come to me as an adult And now she's adulting. She's out of our house. She's experienced some things. And she's come and she said, like, I just didn't know. 
I didn't know how much you loved me. I, I thought I knew you were a great mom, but like now I really see it. I'm starting to see life. And there's just this thing that happens when our children see our sacrifice for them, right? That's the kind of love that we have for God. When we really, really understand what he's done for us. That is the love that empowers us and compels us to say, yes, everything. My plans, my priorities, my calendar, my, my preferences, all of those things, they belong to you, God. We don't have to negotiate with that kind of love. And you know what? Someone who lays their life down for you like that, why should we not trust them? Julie hit on this this morning. She prayed that, that we would have a deep trust with the good father. He is a good father. He literally gave us everything he had. And then he said, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect. And now I have like pulled all of this power together. I've broken the curse. The law is no more. And I'm inviting you into oneness with me. He's not even saying, like, I'm this thing up here and you're down there. He's saying, like, come into me. Be one with me. Let's be, like, face to face. We are, he calls us his equal, his bride in the Song of Songs. That's mind-blowing to me. So he's not withholding. This is a good father. This is a good God that we can trust. We don't have to negotiate. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter three different times, do you love me? And three different times, Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And there's all kinds of sermons that go with just that little part of the, you know, was it phileo love? Was it agape love? You know, he was asking him all these things. I'm not going to preach that sermon today. It, he would, the Lord was asking him, do you love me? And then he's saying, feed my sheep, tend to my lambs. Do what I would do, what, do what I have done, do what I have modeled for you. And then he says at the very end of it, Peter, this love that you have for me and this love that I have for you is going to take you to places you would never want to go. We can read it in John 21. But he says it'll take you to places that you would never want to go and that until we had this love relationship, you never would have gone. You would have never said yes. But love will lead you there. And when you go, you will go with arms wide open. And he's talking about enduring the cross himself. So in John 21, 15, this is after Jesus and the, the boys had breakfast. He says, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? More than these. This is the Passion Translation. And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I have great affection for you. And Jesus said, then take care of my lambs. Jesus questioned, repeated his question the second time. Do you burn with love for me? And the reason the Passion says this is because an Aramaic word um, for love is hula. And it means... It's taken from a, a, a root word that means to set on fire. So that's why this, this translator is saying, do you burn with love? It means to set on fire. And this is the word that Jesus would have used. He, they spoke Aramaic. They didn't speak Greek. They didn't speak, they spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. And Jesus would have said, do you burn with love for me? And our love for Jesus should be passionate and hot. So he asked them this, and Peter says, yes, my Lord, you know I have great affection for you. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. Again, Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? And Peter was saddened by the Lord. My Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. 
And Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices. I, I want you to insert your name here, okay? Let's just go on a little imagination journey with the Lord. Just imagine yourself in that story. You're Peter, and Jesus is questioning you. And, when, and Jesus says, after the third time of asking, and he says, then feed my lambs, insert your name here. I'll just say, Emily, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices, and you went where you pleased. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. And Jesus said this to Peter and to us. I believe he is saying this to us. As a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. Now, we're going to die a death. We're all going to die a death. But I'm not talking about a physical death right now. I'm not even talking about, like, dying emotionally. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus was talking about. It's living, it's dying to your own choices, it's dying to your own desires, it's dying to the, the desire to negotiate. It's dying to self-motivation. And he's saying, you wouldn't choose to go here, but love will compel you to say, okay, I'm yours. And I feel like that is the invitation that the Lord is, is calling out this morning. Do you love me? Do you burn with passion for me? Sure, of course I do, God. I go to church twice a month. I give. I minister to the people in the store that I see. Of course I love you, Lord. And I'm not trying to make light of those things. Those things are good. But I can't stop at that. What are the things that he's asked of us to do? That we negotiate. The Lord is asking us, do you love me? He's asking the question over and over again. And he told us what love looked like earlier. If you love me, you obey my commands. Love looks like something. And love is willing to go the distance. Love is willing to be uncomfortable. Love is willing to go to the ends of the earth. Love is willing to go to the grave. Real burning hot love gives all. It just does. And, and love that withholds is not the purest form of love. It is a type. It is a, it's a trying to step into love. Love does not withhold. Our love should not withhold from one another, and most of all, from our Father, our God. So again, I said this is going to sound like it's harsh, but it's not. This is an invitation into beauty. This is an invitation into real life. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. In the New King James, it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. And many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. For if a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, even that would be utterly despised. You can't 
give out of your resource enough to satisfy love. Because I think that's a really easy one in, in church and in Christendom as believers. And I think generosity is one of the cultures of heaven. So hear me loud and proud. I love to be generous. It's one of my favorite things to do. It is a little sliver of love. But 1 Corinthians 13 is very clear that if you do all of these things and you actually don't have the heart, motivation, attachment to love, the love that is willing to go to death is actually not love, right? If we give our body to be burned, if we do all of these things, if we do every ministry and people all around us know our name for being generous, kind, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, you know, doing all of those things, but love isn't attached to it, it's nothing. Many waters cannot quench the love that God is talking about, the kind of love invitation that he's inviting us into, where we say, set me as a seal upon your heart and upon your arm. That's our cry to the Lord, and that's his cry back to us. For love is as strong as death, and jealousy, God is jealous for us. Now, Oprah Winfrey cannot stand that about God. Have you guys heard her say that? Like, that was the thing that turned her off to Jesus. That this scripture right here. And this scripture right here makes so much sense to me. Why would God not be jealous for our affection? He created us for intimacy. We were designed to be married to him. If my husband isn't jealous for me when I'm off with some other lover, then we have a problem. And that's the kind of relationship that God is inviting us into. That is a holy jealousy. That is a fervent, fiery love. It is, it is pure love. You can't have him. He, he's mine. I am his and he is mine. I am written on his heart. I've, well, he doesn't wear his ring because his hands are too big now. But it's, it's there. I wear this ring. I am written on his heart. I am sealed upon his arm. It is a fiery love, and death cannot quench that love. If I die, it doesn't change our love. And I would die for him. And I know he would die for me. This is, this is a beautiful kind of love. This is a relatable kind of love. This is the love that God has for us. Friends, Jesus is asking. He's asking Peter. He's asking us. Will you be willing to be led in the way that you may not think is the right way to go, but it's where God is asking you to go? Will you let love take you willingly? Will you lay down your life for this love? Last week when the voice of the Lord spoke to Courtney, the thing he said to her was, your sin is your lack of love. The, the voice, the heard voice, the sound of his voice said, Courtney, your sin is the lack of love that you have. And it shook her on the inside. Now, and she even said, you know, people would probably look at me and say, that's not true. I would be the first person to say, I think of love and I think of Courtney. So it's not about her actions. It's not even about the way she treats people. This was an intimate conversation with God and her. And we don't have to qualify it or quantify it or figure it out, right? But it's this question, how far will you let me go? God's asking her that. How far will you let me go in your life? How far will we journey together in our love relationship? 
Where are the limits that you have put on love? What are you doing for the namesake of love, but your heart is disconnected? And when she was speaking, I kept hearing the Lord say, it's all about lordship. It's all about lordship. It's all about lordship. Now, lordship has gotten a bad rap in the body of Christ. Of course it has, because it's too easy. Like, nobody wants to submit. Who here likes submission? No one. I mean, once you start stepping into it and you see the the benefits of it, then you're like, okay, yeah, I'll submit, I'll submit. People are throwing out wives should submit to their husbands out of their vows and like all of that kind of stuff because we don't like submission. And submission can be taken wrongly and I think that's what we've done. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because there's been yucky things that have happened. Control, misuse, abuse. It happens. But a real, true, intimate God-centered relationship, submission has to be in the middle of it. And guess what? Submission to the Lord first. But there's also a place of submission to one another. In my marriage, I submit to my husband. In my marriage, my husband submits to me. We are mutually submitted to one another. We sometimes negotiate. And it's been a dance. We've learned it. When I was first married, there was no submission happening on my end. It's like, oh, no, you did not ask me to do something I don't want to do. Let me exert my dominance. Like, you guys experience that in your lives? Like, let me show you. I can't. I'm a wild horse. I cannot be bridled. I'm too passionate. I'm too, I'm too adventurous for this. I'm such a pioneer. You cannot bridle me. And in maturity and in depth of relationship and actual love where I go, and I, that's a whole other story where the Lord took me and took me to the, the woodshed big time. I was praying and praying because I was miserable. We were like little kids that shouldn't have gotten married, but we did, and we were growing up together, and we had no skills. I was an only child, and I was one of those only children, apparently. I, it, didn't, it did not manifest until I got married. Because I had not heard no before. And the one time I heard no, and it really manifested when we had kids. Because then we really had to lay our lives down. It, I'm, but we were immature in our love. And God spoke to me one day, and I was like, God, change his heart. Change him, Lord. And he was like, he didn't, he was so kind to me. He didn't say, oh, Emily, you're so stupid. You're so immature. You're such a brat. All of the things that were true. He didn't say any of that. What he said was, is what I want you to do, this is how I will change him. Is I'm going to change your heart, and I want to see, I want you to see him the way that I see him. And when you see him the way that I see him, I want you to put your hand on him and prophesy that over him at night. <laughs> and humble yourself and serve him and pray for him the way that the Spirit is praying for him right now. And it didn't take but a few days. Honestly, there was a radical shift. And I thought I was going to really get God on my side. Because I had a lot of really, really great reasons that you know, Justin needed to change. But the thing is, is that he's the perfect gift to me in my life. And I had no idea because I was an immature brat. You go, and I'm not just here to talk about my marriage, but I can't tell you what a gift he is to me. I was telling my mom because we were talking about Benny Johnson going to be with Jesus this weekend. And I just said, I just don't know how Bill's, I don't know how Bill can handle this. He's like the most influential leader in the world in the charismatic movement. There's just, I don't know anyone that is more influential or more revered than Bill Johnson. And the people that, the weight that it is, like, you know, here I am in this little church and I feel a weight. And I don't know what I would do without my husband. 
to encourage, to support, to lean upon, to rely upon, to bounce things off of. He's such a support to me. And I'm thinking, like, Benny is such a support to Bill. And so let's all be praying for the Johnsons. But all of that to say, like, submission has been the most fruitful thing in my life. To the Lord and to the people that I'm meant to be submitted to. Mutual submission has been the most fruitful thing in my life. So I need to get back on track. None of that is in my notes. But when Courtney was sharing this, that your greatest sin is that you don't love, I felt this invitation from the Lord into submission, into this journey of him truly being Lord. Like, and I just have begun to say, Lord, where are the areas of my life where Love is not empowering me to obey your commands. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I don't believe this is just a question for me. I know it's for me. But the truth is, is this is for all of us. This is for every believer. And especially the church in America right now, we really need to examine what love is empowering us to obey and where we've been negotiating. It's so easy to do that in the Western church. But God does not, having different classifications and different calls and invitations for different national churches. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like the Church of America doesn't get a pass because we're wealthy. In fact, churches all over the nations of the earth that are experiencing persecution are actually praying for us to experience the same. And not in a mean, like, they ought to have persecution, but they actually know what it does. It actually causes you to lean on the Lord in a different way. We have been so prideful we have been so full of ourselves. We have loved very many, too many lovers. There's idols all over the place in our church. So if, if God's speaking to Courtney, who I'm always so proud to be in her life, I always love what I see coming out of her and the love that I see pouring out of her. If God is speaking to her that there's a level of love that he's looking for her that is not there yet, I would say he's asking all of us. And that's not to elevate her. I'm just... God is speaking to us. How far, how far will you let me go? And his love, the same love that empowers us to obey is the same love that will drive out fear. It's the same love that will drive out complacency. It's the same love that will drive out apathy. It's the same love that will drive out comparison. In Luke 6, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I tell you? There's many times that he challenges his disciples and really calls them to account for lack of obedience. 2 Corinthians 5 says, for it is Christ's love Again, it's Christ's love for us that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us, 
This means he died, all died with him, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. His love compelled him to die and go to the cross for us. He gave all for love, and that same love now is in us, and it compels us to no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are fully surrendered and devoted to him. I want to go back to Song of Songs. I want to read it in the Passion. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. That's pretty amazing. Jesus is saying this to you right now. Just close your eyes and let him speak to your heart. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, and all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire upon your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing. As you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem like you have a sacrifice anymore. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. That line rocks me. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing. This love that he has for us will stop at nothing. It will consume everything. And as we yield to this furious fire, it won't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. And I want to promise you that as you dive deep into love, it won't seem like a sacrifice. I have a friend, um, she's an itinerant minister and she jumped in on the TikTok scene and all that kind of stuff. And she does these little challenges and she's so, she's funny and she's great. But she did this one on discipline, the discipline of the Lord. It was just a little, I don't know, six second thing. And she said, discipline feels like religion to the apathetic. And that was like, poof, right between the eyes. Discipline feels like religion, right? Like these disciplines, like we got to read the word every day. We got to, you know, do discipleship, allow the, the whole sanctification to take place. Like, I just want the grace, man. I just want like the love of God. I just want to like dive deep into his grace pool. I don't want that discipline religion stuff. Like, I should be able to get drunk if I want to. I should be able to smoke weed if I want to. I should be able to, like, look at porn if I feel like it. Like, get your religion off of me, man. Don't tell me I have to read the word every day. Pray every day. Yeah. But yeah, I hear this stuff. And I bet you, you hear this stuff. Maybe you thought some of this stuff. Discipline is actually love. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do, and I won't talk about my kids, because that's not fair, but you've all seen it. Sometimes the thing that you don't want to do is the thing that's needed the most to bring change. And I'm not talking about just beating the heck out of somebody. Sometimes it looks like getting grounded. Sometimes it looks like having your phone taken away. Sometimes if you don't have the self-control to live a disciplined life, it's putting some external controls on you 
so that you can manage and protect your freedom until you can do it on your own. That's what loving discipline looks like, right? right. To the religious, not to the religious, to the apathetic, it looks like religion. But to lovers, it looks like depth of relationship and intimacy with God. And God is not looking for religious. He's looking for lovers. I'm almost done here. Romans 7. It is. It's a good invitation from the, the Lord to lead us deeper. Okay, Romans 7. I'm just going to read the first five verses. I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person, that when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law? Mike, you could probably uh, speak to this as a former lawyer, but... When someone dies, their contract is over, correct? I mean, I guess it depends on how the contract is written. But for example, we'll use this example. For example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until separated by death. In this particular contract, in this particular law, once a spouse dies, the other is released from the law of marriage. So then, if a wife is joined to another man while still married, she commits adultery. However, if her husband has died, she's obviously free from the marriage contract and may marry another man without being charged with adultery. Makes sense, right? Do you see where this is going? So my dear brothers and sisters, this same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So now you are free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. We are free from that old covenant. And we are free to marry up. We are free to bind ourselves in covenantal relationship with love himself. Amen. This is so good. It talks about, you know, when we are merely living through our natural lives through the law, the law which actually defined sin, it actually awakens sinful desires within us which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. But now we've been fully released from the power of the law and we are dead to what once controlled us. Our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code. So now we may serve God by living in the freshness of a new life and in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so good. Our old spouse the law, legalism, never doing it quite right enough, having to actually have like this code of conduct is what our old relationship used to be. Our new relationship is intimacy with God, intimacy with the voice of the Lord, intimacy with the word of God, Intimacy with the person of God. Intimacy with love himself. And that love empowers us to obey. That, lo that love empowers us to live freely. That love empowers us to love. It's so good. This is not your own, like, you know, beating yourself into submission. You don't have to do that. You just have to fall in love. You just have to fall in love. And fall into love. Because his love helps you fall in love. We have to separate ourselves from religion. Say goodbye to our old covenant self. Works, religious duty. And uh, unite ourselves to union with Jesus. Full surrender. Making him Lord of our lives. And that covenantal love will lead us and guide us without fear.
To be saved, we must, as Scripture says, declare Jesus as Lord, confess with our mouths, believe in our hearts to be saved. And on some level, if you confess him as Lord, there is a belief of lordship, right? But walking it out and allowing it to take place and, and really make him Lord comes through intimacy, comes through heart connection, comes through obedience and trusting him at his word. Submission to go and do his will. Submission to live in his way. So often I have said this, Lord, your will be done in my life. But then I like to, I've already told you, negotiate. Well, I think what he was saying here is actually this. Of course, he didn't mean that. You know, we have conditions and strings. Sometimes we don't, we don't even realize that we're doing it. Sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't want to trust you to handle that situation, God. I better get my hands in there and I better deal with it myself. Or I don't want to forgive that person. They did me dirty. I'm not ready. We think it should look a certain way. But I just wanted to say this. And you can throw tomatoes or, you know, whatever rotten fruit you have in your handbags at me. We don't get a say-so. We don't get a say-so if we're truly submitted to the Lord. We don't get a say if we're going to be obedient. We get a say if we want to do our own thing. It's a choice. We have free will. But to say that we are submitted to say that we are obedient, to say that we're sold out, to say that we're married to Jesus, we don't get to say so. And I actually feel really safe in that. Because I screw things up all the time. And I bet you do too. Think about the times that you've tried to take control of your own stuff. It gets really messy. I would love to have someone with omniscience, someone with omnipotence to lead and guide and direct my life. That sounds really great, actually. And, and I'm married to him. It's so awesome. We're married to him. time that we uh, stop making submission a dirty word in the church and that it actually is the evidence of love. Submission to Jesus is the evidence of love. Now I could go and get weird and I could tell you to do a whole bunch of weird things. I'm not asking you to submit to me. Submit to Jesus and he'll lead you You'll see the evidence of Jesus in my life, and then you'll know that if you can trust what is being shared. You'll hear his voice. When I speak to Sheila, if I am in union with the Lord, she'll hear his voice if she's in union with the Lord. And we, we can trust one another, and we can trust what God is doing, as we yield and trust him and are submitted to him. This is really good news. Our old, our old man is dead. Our old ball and chain is dead. We're free from that contract. And we are free to marry wholeheartedly give ourselves fully to Jesus. I want to do that. I want him to place me 
like a seal. I want him to place himself like a seal upon my heart and upon my arm. I want there to be this evidence, like there is this evidence that I'm married to Justin. I want there to be evidence coming off my life that I am married and submitted to the Lord of my life, the love of my life, Jesus. And so I, I just, I feel this invitation for myself. I feel it for all of us. I asked Brian if he would have a song queued up. This is an old Misty Edwards song. This is like an old friend of mine, this song. And it is an invitation into surrender. And so I just want you, as, the, as it plays, close your eyes and allow the Lord to speak to you. And the question is, is there any space, is there any place where I'm not fully surrendered, God? Where love has not fully taken over?
Lord, I thank you that this love that you have for us and this love that you are will keep going after us. It's unstoppable. It's unrelenting. It's unyielding, God. And it's going to keep pouring in to us. Lord, that's the kind of love that's available to us. It will keep pouring into us until our sacrifice won't feel like sacrifice at all. It's just love and passion for you, Jesus. Lord, would you take us as a body, first individually, Lord, but then as a corporate family, God, would you take us deep into this love, this love journey with you, God? Where we are so intimately connected that, God, we are so willing to obey your every word. Lord, and I thank you that you were so clear with us that love looks like obedience. And so, Lord, any of the space, Lord, where we have withheld from you, where we have been in disobedience, Lord, I ask, I repent, Lord. I repent, Lord. And I pray that you would lead all of us into a place of repentance and letting go of the things that we are holding on to that compromise our love. Lord, that get into the way of full surrender. Would you mature us in our love? And Lord, I thank you that it's your love that fills us and compels us to do this, God. It's not by our own might, Lord. It's not by our own power. Lord, we are, we are, separated from that old life. God, and now we are married to you, full of grace, empowered to be fully surrendered to you, Holy Spirit. And we're asking, God, that you would increase our awareness of your voice. And you would up our level of discernment, God, to recognize the voice of another, what might sound good, what might look like it's godly, but Lord, your voice is not in the middle of it, Lord. Would you separate us unto yourself, God? Thank you, Lord. And we hear you asking us, Jesus, do you love me? And we say, yes, God, we do. And we're willing to be led even to the places that we would not choose to go. But our arms are open wide. And we say we surrender, God. You've been listening to Connection Life Ministries podcast. It is our honor and privilege to partner with others from around the world in a joint effort to get the Word of God to you. If you would like more information or have questions, feel free to email us at connectionlifeministries at yahoo.com.